You're listening to the David Bumble Networking Podcast. Very good day interviewing a lot of Cisco engineers. We discuss all things networking, CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, Python, automation, the books, the exams, the future, your career. Another long day at Cisco Live. We talk to the authors, the experts, the leaders, and people like you and me. David Bumble coming to you from Oxford in the United Kingdom. Now, here's your host, David Bumble. Hey everyone, it's David Bumble once again talking to Chuck Black. I'm based in Oxford in the United Kingdom. Chuck's based in California. So again, please forgive us if we have technical problems on the call. Hopefully we won't have today. Chuck, how's life in California? Let's start with my standard question. <laughs> yes, the basic nerd question. How's the weather? <laughs> yeah. Is it too hot for you? Yeah. No, it's in, nice England, and sunny. We always, we always talk about the weather. Sorry, go on. Yep. Uh, we can talk about the World Cup. France yeah, tell us about the World Cor- Cup. What's happening? France versus Croatia. Uh, your guys, uh, England, just got booted as of a couple of days ago. Unfortunately, but should be a good game. And who are you supporting? Uh, this is very easy for me to say. My wife is supporting France. So I think you have your answer right there. <laughs> Croatia then, is that right? If you want to sleep outside. <laughs> Come on now. Domestic tranquility. <laughs> that is the rule of life. So, <laughs> Well, good luck to France then. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Croatia. Yep. You'll have to send Chuck hate mail. <laughs> so, Chuck, we've been discussing quite a few SDN-type related topics. And one of the topics that always seems to come up, not that it's perhaps an SDN per se topic, is white box switching slash bare metal switching. Can you tell us a bit about that and you know what's your opinion about it and you know give us a bit of an overview of what that actually is? Yeah, so um, the high level overview is that this is kind of what people like Google, uh, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, etc. the really, really big guys have been doing for a while. They kind of um, my opinion anyway, got a little bit dissatisfied with the networking vendor industry yeah. and their Definitely. responsiveness in terms of, uh, you know, coming up with features, creating um, affordable or I mean reasonably priced products that did what they wanted them to do. And the turnaround time was too long. And consequently, they began to look and say, you know, I could get this uh, off the shelf silicon and put some hardware around it and put Linux or whatever type of networking operating system I might be interested in on top of that device. And I would have a networking switch that can do things just as well and for a lot cheaper than I can if I bought it from the big guy vendors. And so they began to do that. Not only that, but they also uh, began to open source their actual uh, network operating systems that ran on these switch hardware um, devices that they had created. So you see that within the Open Compute project, you have this thing called Open Networking uh, Linux um, from Microsoft and from LinkedIn. They open sourced the switching software uh, that they created for their own data centers. And basically, the idea is that you can take a piece of hardware, a hardware switch that you buy from somebody that has no software running on it, you buy this bare metal type of device 
for a very inexpensive price and then you just load the operating system onto it and you get uh, economies of scale because you're buying the same exact thing uh, over and over and over again. You are in control of the software. Uh, the software is being contributed to by many different parties, including people such as Facebook or Microsoft or Google or whoever. So this that's the whole general idea of what a bare metal switch is. It's just a piece of hardware that's built around a chipset from, you know, from Broadcom or whoever it might be that does your switching for you in a very efficient manner. And so it kind of commoditizes the hardware and you're putting whatever version of software you want and then manage yourself on top of these devices. Now, uh, there are, there's this category which includes bare metal switches and white box switches. The things that they have in common are that both of them are an attempt to get away from, you know, the vendor hegemony that state that we live in where, you know, you buy something from Cisco, you got to buy everything else from Cisco. You're tied into their proprietary protocols and I'm picking on Cisco, but of course the same is true of HP or um, Alcatel-Lucent or any of the other vendors that you could get stuff from. So not being tied to a particular vendor, but running stuff on commoditized hardware is what both uh, bare metal switching and white box switching are addressing. Now, distinguishing the two can be a little bit difficult because, you know, it's just words and people can use the words to define whatever. I just had this in a discussion with uh, one of my colleagues yesterday for some of the software that we're building, uh, finding something in a database and making a distinction between filtering stuff versus searching for stuff. And, you know, the definition can depend on who you are and what time of the day you're talking about it. <laughs> but the best description that I have read about the distinction between the two and, and really what you should do is not marry the words to the definition, but just understand that there are different definitions. People tend to talk about white box switching in the SDN world as being a generic commoditized appliance that runs open flow switching software on it. And people like uh, Big Switch and Broadcom and Acton and others have gotten together and created this group that I think is called Switch Lite that is uh, a distribution of software and hardware that falls into this white box switching category. Other vendors create their own um, switches that are open flow based switches that you could call white box style switches in that they're less expensive. They're generic in the sense that they support open flow and therefore it should run in any um, open flow environment. That's kind of what people have used uh, historically to mean white box switches. Bare metal switches, on the other hand, are more aligned with what I described earlier, which is you have a piece of hardware that has, you know, um, Marvell or Broadcom or whoever's chips on it, hardware built around it in terms of ports and power supply in the case that it sits in, etc., and that that comes without any software. And you then load uh, your open networking Linux or 
cumulus or whatever it might be uh, on top of that device. And then you have this generic network-oriented Linux operating system running on that device. And that's kind of the bare metal idea. So Chuck, you mentioned Cumulus. So Cumulus, as a company, sell Cumulus Linux. Um, so that's kind of an example of what you would call bare metal switching, is that right? They yeah, I think it's a, a little bit a step above uh, bare metal because what they've done is they're actually packaging uh, an operating system that is uh, was originally open source, but now uh, it comes as a cumulus uh, piece of software. Uh, I don't know the details of what you can and can't load that software onto in terms of what cumulus requires, but since they've built the large, um, large-ish anyway, infrastructure for support around this model, then you know there are going to be certain pieces of hardware that they will support and other ones that they won't support. But they've they've kind of they would tell you that they've hardened the operating system and they have 24 by 7 support that you can uh, purchase so that you're not out on the limb. The risk of um, pure bare metal switching, of course, is that it's just you. You bought the hardware, you bought the software, and now you got to do something with it. And uh, and if it fails, you got to figure it out. With something like Cumulus, uh, you're getting the value of a bare metal type of price and um, environment, uh, but you don't have the same risk. You don't undertake quite as much risk on yourself to fix problems if you find them. You can call somebody and get their help in terms of support. Yeah, so in its purest form, if we think about bare metal slash white box switching, because I also hear these terms interchangeably. It, it's similar to buying a PC where you just buy the cards and the pieces and you put it together yourself and then you load Linux on it yourself, um, like Ubuntu, but there's no support. You're on your own kind of thing. That's the purest form of, of, of this. Is that right? For That is correct. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's a little bit like uh, Red Hat, right? So you can get Linux and be in charge of the Ubuntu or whatever, and be in charge of uh, maintaining it and making sure that it's up to date and you can go to all the Ubuntu boards and you can ask questions, etc. but you're a little bit on your own. Whereas if you purchase Red Hat, then not only do you get that version of Linux, which is hopefully hardened, hopefully has more diagnostic capabilities in it, but in addition to that, they have support lines that you can call that will help you out. So Chuck, so basically it's kind of like open networking Linux on a switch, you're on your own, but with Cumulus it's kind of like Red Hat kind of setup, is that right? That is the correct idea, yeah. So um, open networking Linux is basically the software that's available uh, to you. I, I think it was part of the open compute project that it was placed there. I'm not, the Linux Foundation is kind of snarfing all kinds of things up in terms of uh, SDN controllers and yeah. OVS and things like that. So I don't know if they've uh, <clears throat> gotten involved in that at this point, but yeah, that is the general idea. It is software that you get, um, I guess there, and if you get Cumulus, then you get support and a hopefully hardened, uh, more stable version of the software. I guess in the in the data center world, uh, getting a pure OpenStack versus getting OpenStack from any of the vendors that uh, 
uh, release distributions and support it, that would be another analogy. So Chuck, you've mentioned two terms. I just want to make just tell people what, what those are. You mentioned OCP and you mentioned OpenStack. Can you give us a brief overview of what, what that is and what the, how they related or if related? Yeah, sure. So the Open Compute Project um, uh, started by Facebook. The general idea is, hey, uh, here's some people who have learned things about best practices for um, installing and maintaining in a data center uh, environment, uh, including server storage, uh, networking, etc. And so that's what the Open Compute Project is all about, people sharing ideas. And, you know, just uh, to sort of compare and contrast, uh, not that I have favoritism towards one or the other, but <laughs> Facebook seems to be pretty good about uh, openness and making things open source. Uh, Amazon, who, you know, I'm an Amazon Prime person. I love it. I have uh, good friends who work uh, in high places at Amazon. Uh, they don't tend to reveal all that they've done. So my friend who uh, implements Amazon's SDN-ish strategy uh, for Amazon data centers and all their hundreds of thousands of networking devices, he can tell me bits and pieces about what he's done, but they don't make that open and available to everybody. Where on the other hand, the idea of the Open Compute Project uh, and its descendant, uh, you know, its uh, creations, things like Open Networking Linux, is to make that public, that information, publicly available. Whether that information is in the form uh, of best practices or whether it's in the form of actual software. And the other thing we was OpenStack. What is that related to any of this, or is that something totally different? Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, us computer guys got together about ten years ago and said, "How can we really, really screw up everybody who's trying to learn about stuff?" And somebody said, "Hey, why don't we just put the word open in front of everything?" <laughs> so we have Open Networking Linux, we have OpenStack, we have Open uh, Flow, we have Open View, a product that I used to work on. Open this, open that, etc. <laughs> um, we have open switch, um, we have open virtual switch, all these things. Um, so yeah, what is OpenStack? Uh, OpenStack, that's a joke by the way, we didn't really get together <laughs> and do that, although it would have been a good idea. Um, so OpenStack, the general idea of OpenStack is people getting together and saying, you know what, um, we're all trying to solve this data center problem that involves servers, storage, networking, and, and the software that runs on top of them. Uh, what if we get together and we design this in such a way that the applications that we build on top of all of these pieces of hardware can utilize them in such a manner that it's consistent uh, across all the vendors that may be providing those uh, components. So. Uh, we can, it doesn't matter if the servers are from HP or Dell or Cisco or whoever, as long as there is OpenStack running on them, then uh, an application is able to use them independent of the vendor uh, that that particular uh, piece of hardware came from. The same is true of storage and the same is true of networking. And what they did was they basically, um, 
Describe your data center network as pools of resources. So if I'm writing an application, then I need some compute power. So I go to the pool of compute resources and say, hey, I need a compute resource that meets these characteristics. And OpenStack service is able to provide me with that capability. I say, hey, I need some storage that meets these requirements is this large, or I need some networking that meets these requirements. I'm basically asking the resource pool to provide me uh, these items, which I can then use in my application. And the way that they did it, uh, number one is it's the responsibility of the vendor to integrate their piece of hardware into the OpenStack environment. So I, as a networking vendor, um, need to uh, create software that will satisfy these requests for networking resources. Uh, I, as a compute um, vendor, need to create software that will allow my compute resources to be um, you know, placed in a pool and requested uh, in the manner that I described. And the same is true for storage. So they, they made it so that it's the responsibility of the vendor to create the software to satisfy these requests. And the second thing that they did uh, that is useful is they created these requests for resources are all in the form of RESTful APIs. And so I, as an application developer, make REST API calls into this abstract interface. In other words, an interface that's designed to work for every type of uh, vendor down below. It's actually designed to work in an abstract sense and the vendors have to implement it. Since it's defined in this abstract manner, then um, you know I, as an application developer, am insulated from changes of the vendors from one vendor to another, or even within a vendor in how they satisfy those requests. So that's the general overview of OpenStack. OpenStack started out uh, only defining servers and storage because they figured uh, what's networking, it's no big deal. It'll just be part of you know your compute request is that you need uh, networking. But then they realized that networking was a big enough thing that uh, hey, we better um, define our own project in OpenStack that's related to networking, and that's called Neutron. It went through a few uh, name changes and collisions with other uh, things that were named the same thing, getting sued, etc. But I think it's Neutron uh, now. And um, yeah, I, I guess one of your follow-up questions, David, might be, how does OpenStack relate to OpenFlow, or maybe even better, how does OpenStack relate to SDN? And the answer to that question is that OpenStack does not require software-defined networking, but to the extent that software-defined networking is able to um, satisfy these resource requests at massive scale, because that is the the goal of OpenStack is to deal with things at this really massive scale. To the extent that SDN is able to do that, then OpenStack can make use of it. But like I said, you know, the vendors create um, 
create the implementation of satisfying resource pool requests. <clears throat> that request can um, go to a particular device. So you can imagine somebody saying, hey, I need a network uh, that has these characteristics for this tenant. And uh, the you know Cisco or whoever writes the code that allows that um, resource request to be satisfied for their physical devices. You can also imagine in a, in a network that is software-defined networking, like an overlay network that we've mentioned, uh, like a, an OpenFlow-based uh, data center network, like NEC or BigSwitch provide, um, it can be satisfied in those manners as well. So uh, this level of abstraction is really useful. The application doesn't have to know whether it's SDN being used to satisfy the request or whether it's a physical piece of hardware or a virtual switch. Any of those things can be uh, used as a means to satisfy the request. So if I understand right, Chuck, user developer could make a REST API call saying I need a server of some description and that would be provisioned. Then I need some storage and that would be provisioned. And then I need say, well, let's say multiple servers with multiple storage, and then I need to connect them in a specific VLAN. Um, and that just happens magically below through OpenStack. Is that right? Yeah, probably the operative word is uh, magically and works. <laughs> but because uh, I know some people have had some problems getting OpenStack to work, but uh, that is the general idea. And I would say, uh, you know, I, I, can't remember if we mentioned this distinction of uh, declarative versus imperative. In a declarative system, you specify what you want, and the system figures out how to do it. In an imperative system, of course, you specify how to do something, and you hope at the end of the day it does what you want. Uh, if this was an imperative uh, API, then we would say, hey, I want a VLAN. Uh, because we know networks have VLANs and we know that that's 802.1Q and that there's 12 bits and I can only have 4,094 of these because two are reserved, et cetera, et cetera. If we were working in a more declarative world, which is what OpenStack tries to get towards, you would say, and I need a network for these uh, resources to live on. And so however that network a request gets satisfied. It could be a VLAN if it's a hardware implementation. It could be a it could be a, a tunneled network, virtual network identifier if it's in an overlay type solution. It could be some other mechanism. But the you know NEC it would be a virtual tenant network. Big switch it would be whatever they call it. So um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so you wouldn't. Yeah. It's incorrect to say specify the VLAN. The idea is just have this network and it. Ha magically happens. You're truly a networking guy, David. Yes, you can't help talking in those terms. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to visit David's YouTube channel at David Bumble, where you can subscribe and watch all of his videos. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Catch you next time on the David Bumble Networking Podcast. All the best. Take care.